Welcome to Ideas, Ideas or High podcast, where we share creative aha idea moments from entrepreneurs who are successfully navigating the business world. While also deep diving into creativity and the value it brings to our lives. I'm your host, Mary Latrice. And I'm Yoshi. Let's chop it up. Who said Puff Puff Pass was canceled? Listen, I know being a stoner in 2020 has been interesting to say the least with this pandemic, but the Chillstone by JTT Accessories is here to help. The Chillstone is a premium hand-blown glass joint holder and one hitter too. It's reusable, easy to clean, hypoallergenic, and a natural filter, but most importantly, it's sanitary. Simply insert your joint for a snug fit and enjoy. It fits standard cigarettes, joints, blunts, with or without filters. Get yourself a chillstone today at jttip.com or check them out on Instagram at JTT Accessories. Okay, so today, guys, we are joined by Kiana Estevez, founder of IO Mind, and your personal guide helping you to heal through culinary creations. Kiana is an Afro-Latino entrepreneur on a mission to create inclusive and empathetic solutions through food experiences. Her company, IO Mind, was created to showcase the diverse generational stories behind the food we eat every day. She's dedicated to empowering people to step out of their comfort zones and spotlight food histories from around the world. Welcome to Ideas, Kiana. I'm so excited to have you on. I am so excited to be here. This is just like a long time coming and it's an honor to, to be in your space and just collaborate together. Awesome. I am so excited as well. Okay, so what was your first experience with plant medicine? Mm. my first experience with plant medicine I have to go back to when I was in college because I went to school with a bunch of chefs I was in a hospitality management program so a lot of foodies and I just had a dear friend who she created edibles inside of her apartment and I was like wait like you can do this like in this college two by four kitchen. And she walks me through the entire process. I'm with her and I never tasted cannabis in such a pure and natural way and having it infused with food. That's truly what I can say, like the new chapter of cannabis plant and really giving it the attention it deserves Mm -hmm. in comparison to just like, Oh, like, I would smoke a bowl pack. It wasn't an experience. And for me, that's such a big part of who I am and the experiences that I kind of build moving forward. Well, that's awesome. So it was a, it was a positive experience. It wasn't like, oh, I smoked and I, you know, I coughed up a lung. So that's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because my actual relationship with cannabis started in a very negative light and space you know Mm. my brother was a drug dealer and consequences came from that I was in the house one time when he was arrested and you know I was 13 years old Mm. was getting ready to go to band camp of, of all things it's just like a hot summer August morning and I'm in my room 
nothing out of the, like out of the usual was really happening. And then massive bang on the door, cops break in, mom, myself, brother get pushed onto the floor. I can vividly remember the revolver to my back wasn't able to move. And that's traumatic. Tell me about it. Then they eventually, you know, sit me up on my bed. They're talking to me. I'm shaking. Like, of course, I have no idea what's going on. And I start getting these, you know, leading questions of, you know, have you ever seen your brother do X, Y, Z? Has he ever given you X, Y, Z? And I'm like, what? Like, no. Like, I just want to go to band camp. Like, I never <laughs> wanted to. I never Interrogating wanted to. a 13-year-old. Good Lord. <laughs> right. Like, I never want to go to band camp more. And it's just hearing my mother's cries in the other room, like, which is such a traumatic and fearful experience to have. So then fast forward all these years later, I just had the darkest connotations with cannabis. Mm. I was just like, it's trouble. It takes away your freedom. It's fear. Like I I had nothing but fear of being in trouble, fear of a consequence. Like that Mm. was the only outcome. It wasn't Um, medicine or even just like it wasn't an activity for me to do because I was so paranoid so to your point and that's why like that first story comes up because it wasn't this experience of oh I had cannabis and you know maybe I got paranoid or I fell asleep on my couch for 14 hours before I even touched the plant I just refused to bring it into my life because I wasn't going to lose my freedom I wasn't Mm -hmm. going to even open up a conversation for processing that trauma. So that was really my first experience with that magical plant. But well, I'm I'm glad your next experience was more positive and has led you on your path that you are at today. So that's everything happens for a reason. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you share the story behind your brand and your company? Like, what were you doing right before you had the idea and what did you immediately do right after? Right. So I was in corporate America in the land of sales and numbers and then the pandemic hit and I wanted to find a way for people to connect and heal throughout the pandemic. I was processing my own grief after being laid off, Mm. just like the 5 million people in the hospitality industry were processing as well. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that was able to get me out of bed, out of my head and the gremlins that I was processing was food. So I started searching for people like me who share a love for food and just to further understand how it unfolded. So fast forward, I start just reaching out on Instagram, same as I did for you when we first connected. And I wanted to just highlight these recipes, these experiences, and I connected with over 100 home cooks, and we were hosting virtual cooking experiences for people to just heal and connect throughout the pandemic. So then fast forward about a year and some change, things are opening up, people are leaving their homes, but we didn't want to step away from the healing that was happening. So we went back to the drawing board and started to see like what other space and communities need a place to experience, understand, and also just move forward and integrate it into their life. Mm-hmm. So that led me to my cannabis trauma. I'm like, 
it's time. I've, I've got to open up this door. I've got to see what's behind it. So I started hosting cannabis cooking classes specifically. And each month we host a virtual cooking class, which gives you access to people inside of your home that you may not be able to see in your day to day, whether that's due to a man-made land boundary or just exposure, because maybe cannabis isn't legal in your state. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're still going through the legacy market and all of the stigmas that carry with cannabis. I know you and I have discussed this before, like you as a mom, like you're consistently fighting that label. And there are many more. We have guests where they work in corporate America and they can't be seen, even associated with cannabis. And this gives them their first reach into community, into how others can heal and connect and Mm -hmm. understand its medicinal properties. So fast forward 10 months later, we've been hosting a monthly cannabis cooking class where guests are just empowered to explore what a cannabis education looks like from I've never smoked a joint before. And just tell me what can this plant do to I've had stage four cancer and I wasn't able to eat for two months until I put cannabis into my meals. And it's beautiful to continue seeing this unfold. And it's also scary at the same time because it's something so magical and powerful and you want to honor all of the people there. And it's Mm. sometimes scary to see like, oh my gosh, like this is taking on a life of its own. Like, I'm walking in your purpose Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and And I can be frightening. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So that's the magic of how our mind has evolved into this community of people just looking for a place of home and healing and to do it in an authentic way. Mm -hmm. So give me the story behind the name. Did you have that name kind of already in your head or did you go through a few different names to be honest I was in the supermarket and I was looking I can't remember what the actual ingredient was but I was looking for darn I really wish it come to mind right now anyways I was looking for a product and I was like where's the international aisle mm-hmm. and I just walked down the international aisle and it's all processed all fried food like nothing real nothing Mm -hmm. organic and I'm like this is such a poor representation so that was the first seed that kind of planted in my head and then I went online and I just started seeing like what are ways that I can experience the cultures inside of my home and of some of the brands that I came across there was just this label of ethnic ethnic and other that was used to describe anything that wasn't American, Italian, Indian, Korean. And that Mm. that was like the big four. I was like, ethnic, that's very crunchy, (laughs) colonized, old word. (laughs) Like, I will never check that box off to describe myself. Why would I describe the things that I put in my body as ethnic? So I was like, I want to create a place where people feel that as soon as they walk in, they get to have food experiences and get to see and work with ingredients that makes them feel like they have their own grocery aisle, that it's built on their preferences. Mm. So 
aisle, like the grocery store, preferences, your experiences, cultures that you like. You don't Mm -hmm. have to love every culture that we explore. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's where stepping outside of your comfort zone comes in. Learn what you like. And our taste buds evolve every single day, every single moment. So that's the name origin. I love it. That's awesome. So where do you draw your inspiration from? That's a great question. (laughs) Honestly, just like my day-to-day like conversations, however they land, because I'm also a food educator with children bringing food access and food accessibility in New Mexico. And sometimes preschooler will say something to me that just like drops this like wave of clarity to me. And then also just anyone that I can have a conversation with, like I'm someone I learned from like human experience and human behavior. So it's just, I hear the nuggets and my brain just naturally starts to connect dots. And it's like, well, I see a need for that. So like, let's try it out. And worst case scenario, no one shows up and the people in my life are going to be proud of me for trying something. And the people who don't show up, I'll never know them because they didn't show up. So (laughs) just it's inspiration from like just my community and the one that I keep building. That's cool. Kids are awesome. This, they teach us so much. Um, so did you cook as a young girl or did you grow up cooking with your, with your family? Was that where that seed was kind of planted? So it's interesting. I was more of a baker when I was younger, okay. you know, nothing, nothing fancy, like the Betty Crocker boxes where all you need what is, is the egg and some oil. And <laughs> all you need is an egg and oil. Like you, you can't mess Water. it up. Yeah. You can't mess it up. And still, when you start smelling the cake, the cookies, the brownies, it's just as satisfying. It's still this like badge of honor that you created something, whether it's from scratch or like pre-made. So I wasn't really a cook, to be honest. Like I don't remember making anything like I made a salad wrap when I was 17. And like, I felt <laughs> such pride of like, yes, like I make like, wraps. Good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Of like, I'm making wraps, like go to school and to, like do some like meal prepping. And, and I think it's just because it's easier for us to think as kids that like, we can, we can just bake, like we can just throw it in the oven. Because I had we an don't, easy bake oven. <laughs> yeah. Cause you don't have to worry about knives and you don't have yeah. to worry about getting all these ingredients. But the thing is like, cooking is just if not even more easy because when you're baking you have to follow a recipe to a t whereas when you're baking i mean when you're cooking sorry about that like your salt your pepper like it's all based on like how it tastes for you and like how you prefer it so then i started cooking probably like when i moved into my first apartment on my own like most people who are like oh shit adulting just punched yeah. me in the face yeah, yeah I was never I was never a ramen person I never had that phase I always was ready to have a kitchen but Mm -hmm. not even to make anything fancy it's like I just want to taste real food like smoothies and making bowls and like roasting veggies like it was never anything fancy and that's one of the biggest like 
misconceptions that I'm always dealing with of like cooking doesn't have to be expensive. Like cooking doesn't have to be time consuming. Mm -hmm. It can just be for you. Yeah. It can be like your own way to just check in with yourself, see what you need because it's its own experience from like start to finish. That's awesome. Okay. So that makes sense. Um, So what's your favorite meal to prepare? Favorite meal to prepare? I would say I love making, I love making pizza. It takes like an hour and a half to make. So that's the only reason it's not my go-to during the week, but it's my absolute favorite thing to make. Really? You make okay, mm-hmm. so you doing this from scratch? You doing your dough? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you just need flour, some yeast because the yeast activates everything. Mm-hmm. And then what I enjoy most about that process is just like it's getting your hands messy. <laughs> it's playing with, and it's also like pizza. It's never the same. I love pizza. Me and my kid love pizza. <laughs> You and then like while your dough is doing its thing to rise, work with your toppings. And it's like if you're feeling some greens, great. If you're feeling some spicy, drown it in peppers. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling some sweet, add controversial pineapple. I support pineapple on my pizza. Oh, pineapple. So you like the pineapple in ham, or you just like veggies or I'm vegetarian, so just okay. veggies. Okay. And then like the secret hat, like one of the hacks that you can do to not have to wait so long to eat your pizza is that you can just cook it on a stovetop. Mm. Instead of like throwing it in the oven, you make mini pans, like mini pies, because it's flatter, so it'll cook at a faster rate. Oh, wow. Just like cook it once, flip it over, add your toppings, let it cook on the bottom, and then your pizza's ready. Mm. And that'll be ready in an hour. That's cool. So are you, do you make any recipes from scratch or are you like remixing recipes that you grew up on or finding recipes and kind of remixing them or? Yeah, for me, it's, it's very old school of like, what do I have inside of my fridge? And we just like throw it in a pan, throw it. I'm very big on flavors. Flavors are. You have like a crazy uh, spice rack, like. Oh yeah. Rolls and rolls of spices. Yes. Yes. Like sauces to like dry rubs. Like you would think I have like a chicken wing factory, but like all the flavors that I have inside (laughs) of my house, like, because it's, it's so interesting. I'm always learning new flavors. That's the thing. Like I'm no master. I am no guru. I just believe in running experiments. And it's Mm -hmm. like the most recent flavor that I found is nutritional yeast Okay. So it's actually, con- it's considered like the sexy way to market it to not say nutritional yeast is like Parmesan alternative, like Parmesan substitute. And you can truly add it to anything. I've done it with popcorn. I've done it with spinach, anything else. And it has like that nutty cheese flavor and it takes away the dairy. That's not cool. even, And that's the thing of like with, with eating and with cooking, like it's so easy to think that like with diet culture, especially like take away, take away, take away. It's like substitute, swap, see what you like, see what you don't like. It's just like socks. Like literally sometimes you want to have fuzzy socks. Other times you want to have like big knee highs, you know, whatever your body is calling for at that moment. So everything from scratch, 
pretty much whatever I have in my fridge. Or if I see something at the supermarket, I'm like, oh, like that looks good. Like, oh, like that's on sale. Like just like the like very rational human being as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause inflation is woo. My (laughs) groceries are going up, up. So um, it's good to be able to use everything in your house. Um, And it's scary. It's scary to see our food costs rising and rising and rising because we we have to eat. And also, you know, we don't have control of what the supermarket gives us. That's determined by your zip code. Yeah. And it pushes me more and more to learn how to farm, learn how to grow my own veggies. I know it's not hard. I don't really have the space, but I do have the desire to, you know, even basic stuff, basic fruits and veggies that I eat on a regular basis, you know, zucchini and squash and tomatoes, like should be able to grow that stuff for sure. Okay. So how has your consumption evolved? I know you said you kind of got into it through edibles, it sounds like. Um, did you go into smoking flour at any point or what, what's your consumption like nowadays? Yeah, so when I was living in Boston, it's actually pretty interesting because now the last two places that I've lived, I've been there when it goes recreationally legal. So I'm Mm -hmm. there for the dispensaries to open. I'm there for like that massive, like high boom first purchase. So when I was in Boston, I stayed in the land of edibles for some time. And then I, in flower was more introduced into my routine. Once I got my, you know, first big girl apartment, like had that freedom, had that space again, like it ties back to freedom. I feel like that's so much with cannabis and Mm -hmm. many of the experiences that we have. And then when I came to Santa Fe, New Mexico in the Southwest, just because like we're next to Colorado, Colorado, it's legal. Like it's Mm -hmm. such a massive market. Like it's more common for you to grow than to actually buy. And Mm -hmm. that culture kind of pours over here. So just like my neighbor down the road grows massive plots, like in their families, like in their family's backyard. And they kind of became my like sommelier, like my provider of like, Hey, like, let me know what strains you like. And like, I'll give you a tasting menu. So I've actually, I smoke only flour here. I only do edibles if I go to travel, like go on a flight because, you know, from here to New York, it's six hours. So I'm in the land of flour now because I go hiking and it's like, yeah, I made it to the top of the mountain. Like, take it. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, yay, we made it. Like, let's get high and look at, you know, 9,000 feet of beauty around us. I love it. That's cool. Um, so do you have any rituals when you're cooking or consuming? I see you got your incense lit. Um, what, what are some rituals that you have to kind of get you in that good space? Totally biggest one is putting my phone away mm. like it's either I even thought the, of that one <laughs> on, it's on the other side of the counter I'll leave it in my room no cell phone that's because then I don't think about how much time has I have I spent cooking do I need to do this so if someone wants something from me I just kind of like ground into the food mm-hmm. so like the no technology it's it's a fun one to see see like how does your body feel 
to even like have your phone in a different room. Mm. I love it. When I forget about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll get to it. But I never thought of intentionally (laughs) leaving it someplace else. Mm -hmm. So that's one big one. And then of course you mentioned my incense. So I kind of vary sometimes uh, if I'm putting something in the oven, I won't light incense, but if I'm just cooking on my stove top, I'll light incense for either like while I'm cooking or when I'm ready to eat. Okay. Okay. So what are you doing these days? I know you love cooking. So maybe that's what you do to kind of keep your vibes high, to keep your spirits good. Is there anything else outside of that, that you enjoy? doing yeah of course oh my gosh we live in like such stressful and anxiety inducing times if we let it like take the wheel of course so for me from a physical standpoint I love running you know I do I do a marathon a year so that gives me like a daily a daily reset and then from a spiritual standpoint I, I vary the dye from just getting like my self-reflection from something as like engaging as like tarot cards and just using that to be a conversation with myself to journaling when it's like lower times. And then I would say the biggest thing to just bringing kind of mindless activity into my day, like making cheese boards. You, the, the charcuterie boards or yeah, like something different boards. oh because you don't eat you don't eat meat so yeah okay so it's like fruit and cheese crackers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with a face mask nice and just oh. hanging out oh that sounds like a great sunday for sure <laughs> and a bubble bath like if i have next to a tub a bubble bath oh good soak sounds amazing right now Okay. So you're a business owner. So what's, what's one thing that you've learned so far? Was there an, 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 excuse me, any advice that you could, could give to our audience? I'm like, I can tell you a lesson I learned today. (laughs) (laughs) Every day for me. (laughs) Um, I'm like, oh yeah, there's definitely a lesson every single day. It can be easy to feel as if we're doing it alone. Mm. And it truly is the small wins, like honoring the small wins, like as a business owner, it's just, it's so important. And it's also inspiring because you never know who's watching. Mm. You never know who's watching. I would say the biggest piece of advice I've learned that I always live through is you have to hire to grow you've got to get help. You can't do it all on your own. That's a, it's a recipe for burnout. Yeah. And when someone believes, when someone believes in your mission and your vision, there's always a way, like there is a way to be flexible because it's not as if you are, you know, a fully funded, like, back startup you know there are different ways to find resources and just connect with people that want to help that want to help you grow and being consistent with that just kind of practicing what you preach you know I've worked for places where we treat the customer like a VIP regardless the customer is always right and then 
the employees like scraps, like nothing. So to just like emphasize that with whoever you work with, it's not just who you serve. Like it's the people you work with that stay. It's the people you work with that are with you, like on the highs, on the lows, on the lack of inspiration periods are the hardest for me to be quite honest, where you have like decision fatigue of, I just can't think of anything. And like, that's okay. Like we have seasons in nature for a reason. Like we experience them as human beings too. Like it's not always going to be summer. Was it easy for you to kind of delegate tasks or was that, um, or to, you know, loosen the reins and hire people? How, how did that go? How did that transition go? Mm -hmm. It, It took me about like three three, four months of inner work to put my arms down and a rec- <laughs> like a recognize like doing this does not serve me at all. I do not get any energy from this. How can I, how can I find some form of a segue to help me? Like, you know, maybe you don't find someone who can do a hundred percent of the task, but Hey, they help you with 50% of it. Mm-hmm. great like that checks things off your list faster that makes your to list a lot more doable for one human being okay. yeah. and then cool. it's yeah it's a simple question and it's like it's so hard to answer of like does this give me energy or am I doing this because it's expected it's what I think I have to do and it's like no I, I genuinely don't want to do this. This doesn't excite me at all. <laughs> That's me in social media. <laughs> and oh, 100%. I'm still looking. <laughs> and it's exhausting. So it's yeah. like I can put this energy into something else, into something with my strategy. Yeah, for sure. So, how has your vision or mission evolved since you started your business? If so, mm. in what ways? Mm. Where the foundation has stayed the same, it's the sense of a virtual community and this love for curiosity in supporting home cooks and exploring what your relationship to food is and what it could be. What shifted is that we have been like most businesses, doesn't matter what shape and size you are, riding with the punches of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It, you know, from people needing anything to do to get them, you know, out of their minds, out of stress, out of anxiety, to then, hey, I have options again. Mm-hmm. I can go outside. And maybe I don't want to go outside. Maybe I'm. I'm not ready. So I think what's continued to change with us is from, we used to have a wine club, we had game nights and it's scary because I feel like we now live in this time of data. Like data is the new bacon. Like it doesn't matter what field you're in, everything is numbers, 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 dollar signs. It's also just like a place where people find comfort now, like show me the numbers, show me the result, like what can you guarantee me? And it's really easy to be 
just tough on yourself when you're, you know, seeing things, seeing numbers decline mm-hmm. or, you know, I've had events like my first event, no one showed up. I pretended there were people in the audience and I was pretending to ask questions for these guests. <laughs> look, look, you learn from it. You learn from those. Those are the best ones. You grow to now fast, Yeah. To like now fast forward where last week's cannabis cooking class had 30 attendees amazing mm-hmm. and start somewhere exactly and consistency looks different like there are some weeks where the energy is 100% there and great like let me put out as much as I possibly can and then other moments where you sometimes just need to step back because you just you mm-hmm. don't have it in you and like it's okay yeah. like it's okay to take a break it's not going anywhere the vision's not going anywhere so I think for us it's just been like keep trying different experiments of how can we use food as a way to empower people to have conversation or to take that next leap forward to create the dish inside of their home to see that real food can be accessible and affordable while exploring culture in the comfort of your own home with people you may not have had access to. Absolutely. And it's definitely important to give yourself that grace when you are in those low periods and know that, you know, this too shall pass. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Grateful in your highs and graceful Mm -hmm. in your lows. Mm. Absolutely. So what, what are some, what are all of the services that you offer with your, with your company right now? Yeah. So from private event standpoint, we still offer those from as small as, you know, four to five members of a team up to 25 and more. And then from our public standpoint, we have our podcast where we bring on different chefs and home cooks to share their experiences with food and some of the barriers that they had to deal with, because it's it's easy to think that a relationship to food can only come with love. And the truth is there's a whole other shadow to that. Many people have formed their relationships to food through dark experiences, whether it's, you know, a wide array of food traumas, disorders, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So kind of just, just spotlighting that and amplifying that it isn't just rainbows and butterflies you know, food is intertwined into our DNA and we sometimes don't recognize it until you kind of get that microscope and say, Hey, Mm. timelines sync. And then we host our community um, cooking classes, which are our free monthly event to have people explore cannabis cooking and culture just for an hour a month, a little self-care. To hold that space I you never even think about that side of food that everybody doesn't have this positive um association with food so that that's good that you're very mindful of that um so what do, what do you want your legacy to be mm, that's such a great question because I just did a TEDx talk where it's mm. the theme of breaking barriers and for me it's food is the universal love language and it's a legacy I'm proud to belong to. Awesome. So that was actually really easy to answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent the last three months yes. believing that and just understanding that it's my mantra. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, is there anything new and exciting you want us to know about? 
I would say definitely to pop into one of our cannabis cooking classes. We do them on the last Wednesday of each month at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. So even if there was one golden nugget that kind of sparked your interest, just explore it. Like Mm -hmm. worst case, worst case scenario, you close the Zoom app. Best case (laughs) scenario, you find a new dish that you could possibly want to make. Okay. So you have like a subscription-based service and then you have free classes that you offer? Is that how it works? You can book private events. So those are, yeah. So those are one-off or quarterly depending like how. And it's all virtual or do you do in-person stuff? Yeah. So we still only cater to virtual um, programs just because it's where we started and it's Mm -hmm. such an integral part of who we are. Because mm-hmm. we always get asked that question. Are you ever think about going in person? In your so, area, yeah. Yeah, we just have had such a natural unfolding of community and clients, et cetera, where let's keep riding this wave and see where it goes. Because I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, like many people just trying to kill time, I would attend these like calls and conferences, hear from entrepreneurs and Many of them were sharing, you know, I started right after the stock market crash and there's no comparing a stock market crash to a pandemic, but it's still something that was so powerful that it froze time and human behavior changed drastically afterward. And I just kept hearing these stories of like, I started after the stock market, I started after the stock market. I'm like, okay, they (laughs) definitely have discipline and consistency. So Let's just try and see, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, regardless of what Isle Mind is, it will be what it will be, but it's my way of expressing love and creativity with myself and others. And those who work with me get to do the same. And those who experience with us echo that get to do Mm -hmm. the same. So it's just like, can you put love and creativity at the North star of whatever you're building of whatever you're doing and answer that first question and see what unfolds, see what changes, see what grows. Yeah, for sure. And if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And you know, if it makes sense to do it, then I'm sure you guys will jump on that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so how can everyone reach you? Well, of course, like our website is ourmind.com and then check out our socials, of our Instagram, online as well. And we always keep up with like our weekly newsletter, which is very like heart centered because everyone knows how exhausting emails can be. So mm-hmm. it's just like that quick, like weekly pick me up of, you know, some form of self-care in combination with food and the events that we have buzzing. So I would say the easiest thing is to just sign up for our mailing list because that gives you access to our podcasts, our cooking classes, and you just get to choose what avenue you want to join and be a part of. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it in this wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Mary, for welcoming me to your platform, to your space, and just holding room for my truth and everything that's unfolded from it. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to doing more work with you in the future. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I'm beyond grateful. 
for the opportunity to share these inspirational stories with you. If you are enjoying the podcast, please support, like, subscribe, and leave a review. Let me know your thoughts. Also, share it with anyone you think could use a dose of inspiration. Last but not least, please follow me on social media. You can find me at high on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Stay high, stay creative, people. coalition of cannabis industry leaders, executives, and artists dedicated to bringing restorative justice to the cannabis industry. We here at Hideas wholeheartedly support their values and believe that anyone profiting from the legal cannabis industry has a moral imperative to work towards restorative justice. No one, I repeat, no one should be in jail suffering from the war on drugs, which disproportionately impacts communities of color. Want to get involved? Here are some ways. Follow them on social media, subscribe to their newsletter, volunteer, donate, or join the letter writing program. Please find links to their page in the show notes.